the Legal Underground Podcast, Episode 45. On today's show, the Florida Bar is baffled by technology, how to get famous all over the world, and I complain about some real-life people who are driving me crazy. This is the Legal Underground Podcast, hosted by Evan Schaefer, one of the friendliest trial lawyers you're ever likely to meet, but hopefully won't have to. And now, here's Evan Schaefer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a bonus, unplanned edition of the Legal Underground Podcast. It came about because I got angry. I've been working for a while on a podcast about a dead lawyer, not just any dead lawyer, but Melvin Belli, the outrageously flamboyant personal injury lawyer from San Francisco who died about 10 years ago. I haven't finished it yet because I got stuck. It's very embarrassing. I have podcasters block. How pathetic is that? My notes for the unfinished podcast have been sitting on my computer for a couple of weeks, and I was going to force myself to finish it this weekend, but I didn't really want to. It just seems too hard because there's so much information to organize. But then I got an unexpected break. What happened was I got angry about a few things that seemed to happen all at once last week on my weblog, Evan Schaefer's Legal Underground. I got irritated at some people, maybe because I'm just in a pissy mood, and I realized I could use this anger I was feeling to fuel the production of this unplanned bonus podcast you're listening to right now. I'll give you more details about my pissed off mood in the third segment, when I complain about some real-life people who are driving me insane. Well, anyway, I'm happy to report that just a few minutes into this bonus podcast, and it seems that the black despair of my podcaster's block is lifted, and I have the energy, I think, to complete this episode and get it on the internet. Let's begin by talking about the Florida Bar, and specifically some of those wacky Florida Bar lawyers who we heard about most recently on this podcast when they wouldn't allow a lawyer to use a certain phone number, 1-800-PITBULL, because it was demeaning to the image of lawyers. Lawyers, as we all know, have such a spotless, unblemished image. The talk about pit bulls was in episode 42. Well, it turns out there's no end to the fun we can have with the Florida Bar. Last month, the Board of Governors of the Florida Bar got together to talk about metadata in electronic documents. You know what metadata is, don't you? It's a part of a computer file that says something extra about the file. When you listen to an MP3 on your iPod, for example and look on the screen to see what song is playing, you're looking at metadata. The song title is contained in an ID3 tag that's part of the MP3 file. Or when you're looking at a web page on your browser, you can use your browser to view the source HTML file. That's metadata too. Or when you create a document on Word, Word automatically creates information about the file that's stored in its properties, the title of the document, its author, and so on. You can view this sort of information, this metadata, when you're editing a Word document by simply going to the menu bar and viewing its properties. What I'm trying to say is that metadata is nothing sinister, although you should be aware of it because it travels with a document when you send it to someone else. Lots and lots of people know what metadata is, but that wasn't true of some of the Board of Governors of the Florida Bar who decided that they would support a rule that henceforth it should be declared unethical for a lawyer to look at metadata in electronic documents. Apparently, the rule would apply even to litigators who received electronic documents from the other side during discovery. No looking at the metadata, said one board member, quote, I have no doubt that anyone who receives a document and mines it is unethical, unprofessional, and un-everything else, close quote. Yes, un-everything else. Unseemly, untenable, 
untimely, unruly, unhinged, goddamned un-American. The Board of Governors of the Florida Bar know these things, even though, as one of them admitted to a newspaper reporter, several of them hadn't even heard the term metadata until the meeting in which they swiftly voted to take action against it. They did two things about metadata specifically, if you're counting. First, they voted unanimously in favor of a resolution saying that lawyers should not look at metadata. And second, they referred the question of final action to the Florida Bar's Professional Ethics Committee, which means that if you're a lawyer in Florida listening to this podcast, don't look at its title, which is displaying right now in your iPod. That might be unethical and on everything else. When I return after a short musical break, I have a tip that will allow you, if you follow my example, to very quickly become famous all over the world. How to get famous all over the world. It happened to me last week. I didn't write about it on my web blog because my wife and law partner, Andrea Lemire, who helped me to get famous all over the world, wants to see how long the fame will continue. She doesn't want me to put a stop to it by making fun of my worldwide fame on my web blog, which I was about to do. Make fun of it, that is. But I can make fun of my worldwide fame in this podcast, since the rest of the world, and even Andrea, rarely listens to it. It will be our little secret. It all began late one night about a week ago when I received an email from a reporter at the London Daily Mail. Why she was writing me, I have no idea, but I suppose she found me through one of my weblogs. My weblogs don't have anything to do with family law issues, but I guess that didn't matter to this reporter, who was writing with some questions about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and Pitt's desire, no wait, Brad's desire, as long as we're talking about celebrities, they may as well do it like the pros by pretending I'm friends with Brad. The reporter was writing me about Brad's desire to adopt Angelina's children. I was going to send the reporter a polite email begging off. At first I went into our bedroom and told Andrea about it. She was trying to fall asleep, but I didn't think she'd mind since she's kind of into celebrities and, more important to the story, she used to do a lot of family law. Andrea wanted me to answer the email, so I did. The reporter wanted to know why adoption is legally more binding than marriage. Here's what I said in two short paragraphs, which I wrote with Andrea's input. Quote, Although it's possible to divorce a wife or husband, one cannot divorce one's adopted children. In this sense, adoption is more binding than marriage. You can't quit being an adopted parent like you can quit being a husband. Once Brad adopts, there won't be any wiggling off the financial hook. Under American law, I continued, adoption is a profound and significant act. It normally doesn't take place unless there's already been a marriage. Thus, it's reasonable to infer that a marriage is around the corner for Brad and Angelina. Close quote. And that's all it took for me to become famous around the world. It seems that many other newspapers follow what's being written about Brad and Angelina in the London Daily Mail, which did a story on January 4th titled, Is it I do for Brad and Ange? My quote appeared in the story, saying that it had come from, get this, Evan Schaefer, a partner at famed American law firm Schaefer and Lemire. That's right, my podcasting friends, famed American law firm. It's just one more example of why you shouldn't believe anything you read in a newspaper. And man, if having a popular weblog is all it takes to have a famed law firm, we're all in trouble, people. So anyway, 
After appearing in the London Daily Mail, newspapers and weblogs around the world went with the story, using my quote as evidence that Brad and Angelina are about to marry. There was monsters and critics of Scotland, entertainment-wise, and my kind of place in England, and Star Pulse, which is based in Connecticut. Then the story spread to Africa, where iAfrica.com reported, quote, Brad and Angelina will marry. That was based on what I told the London Daily Mail. All of these publications and websites, by the way, except the one in Connecticut, included that famed American law firm line that makes me crack up every time I tell this story. But it didn't end there. The next day, the story spread to India, where the Hindustan Times did an article titled, Jolie, Pitt, Set to Tie the Knot? The newspaper had picked up my quote from the Indo-Asian News Service, which sent it out all over India and Asia. There was also an article, for example, in the Mumbia Mir. Mumbia is the city formerly known as Bombay. Similar articles ran on two Indian news portals, What is the Word and WebIndia123.com. It was my daughter Lydia, by the way, who found these articles for me on Google News. Never has she seemed more interested in my work as a lawyer. As for me, because I'm apparently living under a rock, I had no idea that Brad and Angelina were so popular. To me, you know, Brad Pitt is nothing special. Just another guy from my hometown of Springfield, Missouri. You didn't know I was in so tight with him, did you? Well, actually, I'm not. We never lived in Springfield at the same time. It's my loss, I guess. In closing, then, my suggestion to you is this. If you want to be heard around the world, just start spouting off your mouth in an official capacity about celebrities. I'm looking for some other celebrities to spout off my mouth about right now. Meanwhile, I also gave an interview about Brad and Angelina to a reporter from In Touch magazine, which you can find in your own grocery store. Look for me there next week. When we return after a second short musical break, I'll finally reveal what's ticked me off so much, three things in fact, that I did this extra special bonus podcast. And I was alone, a bed for change, and then you walk. But I'm trying something I don't hardly know, and it tastes so sweet. So you're strung out on your own I bet I'm feeling so unknown I'm saying Happiness is an nice illusion Happiness just defining me Happiness all the days I didn't care But then I finally come out there So why am I so angry? This is the part of the podcast, by the way, where I'm going to find out who listens to it by talking about some real people who aren't celebrities. Let's begin with a guy, a former lawyer, named Christopher King. He used to put comment spam on my weblog about some movie he's making. I did a post where I told him, quit leaving comments unrelated to my posts and get a weblog of your own, which he did. It's called Christopher King's First Amendment Weblog, and he's been using it to post items relating to his recent indictment for something or other. The story is kind of twisted and complicated, and I'm not really following it. Read his weblog if you're interested. But there is one thing I want to get straight about Christopher King. I don't know him personally, and I have no opinion about his indictment or his weblog. I'm saying this because I noticed at Daily Coast, King has been posting stuff that makes it seem that I've been somehow endorsing him or his causes. He's doing this by signing his name with a quote that he insinuates is from me as follows. You've got to hit King's blog. He is totally entertaining, and he is pissing off everyone in New Hampshire and anywhere else. It's amazing. 
He attributes his quote to Evan Schaefer's Legal Underground, as if I wrote it, but I didn't. Someone else on my weblog did in a comment. The comment ended, he is bonkers, but King left that part of the comment out. To summarize then, while I tolerate Christopher King, I don't endorse him, and I wish he'd quit signing his name with quotes from my weblog. Now, next up on my list of people to be angry with is David Giacolone, who did on my Illinois trial practice weblog just what Christopher King used to do at Legal Underground. That is, use the comments to write about one of his own pet peeves, something that had nothing to do with the post. Specifically, I'd written about some lawyers at a firm called Miller & Zoyce, who put a lot of sample pleadings and motions on their website as a resource for other lawyers. I thought this was a nice thing to do, and I wanted to point it out, which I did. Then David showed up, and he used my comments to disparage Miller and Zoyce on an issue unrelated to their sample pleadings for lawyers. Specifically, he complained that their firm website doesn't contain an explicit statement that contingency fees could be negotiated. Huh? David and I have argued a lot about contingency fees at Legal Underground, and he has his own weblog on which to complain about plaintiff's lawyers and contingency fees. But to call the business practices of a firm that I assume he really knows nothing about into question on my weblog, well, it embarrassed me, frankly. Then I screwed up by not deleting David's comment as I should have done. I didn't delete it because I've known David a long time and I thought that would be rude. Rather than deleting his comment, I added a comment of my own. Then David and I went back and forth for a while in the comments. Well, all of that, I think, was unfair to Miller and Zoyce, who never volunteered to have their business practices analyzed on my weblog. So, now, I want to take this opportunity to formally apologize to the Miller and Zoyce firm, not for David's first comment, so much as the fact that I chose not to delete it. And yes, I guess I could still delete it, but now I'd have to delete nine comments, and that's really poor form in the weblogging world to delete a string of comments. So I don't want to do that either. So that's two down, one to go. My last weblog-related complaint to get off my chest, you know that weblog blog review? B-L-A-W-G review. I did a segment about it in episode 33 of this podcast. Plus, I write about it all the time on my weblog since I'm a contributing editor, along with Mike Cernovich and Kevin Heller. It's part of the Law.com constellation of lawyer weblogs and gets a lot of publicity that way. Anyway, the editor of Blog Review is anonymous. That is, the editor is someone who puts an incredible amount of work into the project, but who, for some reason, doesn't want to publicize his or her own name. I don't even know who it is, although I correspond by email with this person all the time. He or she signs the email's editor. Now a big argument has broken out about all this at Kevin O'Keefe's weblog. I'll put a link to the post in the show notes, but in short, he's complained that it's silly for the editor to be anonymous. I don't have an opinion about that myself, whether it's silly or not, but I do want to say, as I've told the anonymous editor myself, that it makes me very uncomfortable because some people assume that I'm the anonymous editor, because one, the project was announced on my weblog, two, I did the first issue of Blog Review, and three, I'm still a contributing editor. There are a long list of people, in fact, who I could name but I won't, who say they assume it's me, even though I've told them all that no, I'm not the anonymous editor of Blog Review. It's someone else. And I'm saying it now publicly again to everyone on this podcast, as a lawyer who can't ethically pull the wool over your eyes about something like this, it's not me. I don't like it that anyone thinks it's me either, because the anonymous editor is frequently writing posts and emails that contain opinions that aren't my own, and I don't want anyone thinking they are. So, everybody got that. Meanwhile, as I've told the anonymous editor of Blog Review before, 
I wish that he or she would make his or her real identity known. That would clear all of this up. Somehow, though, I don't think it's going to happen. On the web, anonymity sometimes fuels a certain frenzy of speculation that brings attention to the person behind the mask or attention to his or her projects. I think the anonymous editor of Blog Review understands this very well and is using anonymity, at least in part, for this purpose. I don't like it, but I've decided to live with it. Wow, how's that for a podcast? Thank you all for indulging me. As I wrap it up, I want to remind you that this podcast was brought to you by the law firm of Schaefer and Lemire. Famed overseas, as we all know, though not necessarily famed in our own hometown. Although anyone who does know us, I'm happy to report, knows us by our real names because, of course, we're not anonymous. The music at the breaks was by the Blue Vagrants, a great high school band from Massachusetts. You can learn more about the Blue Vagrants at the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. I'll also add some links about the Blue Vagrants in the show notes. If you want to send me feedback about my podcast, you'll find the show notes in my email address at my weblog, Evan Schaefer's Legal Underground at www.legalunderground.com. If you like the show, please tell your friends about it and have them subscribe for free at the iTunes Music Store. And thanks for tuning in. This has been the Legal Underground Podcast. For more legal education, visit Evan Schaefer's Legal Underground at legalunderground.com. When it doesn't nauseate, it always entertains. <laughs>